Want to say more? All right. Because you can have all the time if you want it. It's Mother's Day. Man, I'll sit there and listen to you. I'll just look at you. I might just do that anyways. God is so good to me. Amen. Also, you know, some ladies have brought some food by. We, you know, our family, all the prayers and support and, and uh, you know, everything during the, this time has been so appreciated. And from, from our family to all of you, because you are our family, we just, we just want you to know how much we love you. We appreciate you. And, uh, and we feel that strength. The Bible says, I have strength for all things. I'm ready for and equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who is infusing me with an inner strength. You know, a lot of times we're looking for strength, uh, and you know, but we, we don't look at where it actually comes from. And a lot of times it comes from the people God's put in our life. And my strength flows through the, the men that God surrounded me with and Shelby's strength from the women that God has surrounded her with. And, and, and we find strength right here with you. And so we just celebrate the life and the hope in the future that we have, and we just, we, we want you to give yourselves a hand this weekend. Just come on, give God praise that you get to be a part of our strength. We appreciate it. Amen. If you're totally unaware of what we're talking about, because uh, you could be visiting here tonight, my mother went to be with Jesus last Sunday, and uh, uh, this Friday, this coming Friday at 4 o'clock, we're going to have an ice cream social for her. And if you've been to a whole bunch of funerals and you think you know how they go, you ain't been to mama's yet. And uh, uh, my mom had a love affair with ice cream. And we're going to celebrate it and celebrate her life. And, and uh, uh, we, we just appreciate, though, everything that's been done. Hey, if you're here tonight, if you don't own a Bible, if you just hold your hand up, our ushers will bring one to you as a gift from us to you. We want everybody to have a copy of the Word of God, and we want to encourage everybody, not just the people receiving one tonight, but everybody that has one. You need to be in it every single day. You need to be taking God's Word and applying it to your life. Before the enemy can defeat you, he has to disarm you, Right? So you need to, you know, so when you're getting in the word, you know what you're doing is you're arming yourself, you're positioning yourself for victory when, as, as you're growing in the knowledge of God's word. You know, uh, uh, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said uh, something, I'm going to try to remember it. He said some stuff to them and it was really good. You should have heard it. Uh, he said, if you, you know what, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples. Indeed, you're going to know the truth and the truth will set you free. And a lot of people think that it's, you know, uh, I could trick you and ask the trick question, what has the power to set you free? And you'd shout out the truth. Uh, the reality is the truth on its own does not have the power to set you free. It's the knowledge of the truth. The truth has been around for a long time, yet you still have bondage in your life. And, and uh, it's the knowledge of the truth that has the power to set you free. Well, the only way to get the knowledge of that truth is to get into what he said and start getting what he said into you. Amen. And let, I mean, just get to the point where, you know, I'm not telling you you need to read a chapter a day. I think that's a great spiritual discipline. You ought to read more than that. But the reality is, is that you need to find some scripture. It doesn't even have to be different ones. You know, there have been moments that I've taken specific scripture and worked on it, uh, you know, and put it in of my life, and it's taken months at a time. She mentioned Ephesians 6, 8. One translation says that what you've made uh, happen for others, God himself will make happen for you. And I, I remember a season in our life that we took that verse and we started weaving that into the fabric of our being because we were making stuff happen for people. And to be honest, can I be transparent tonight? There were people we didn't like. 
and, and I'm thinking, why are we having to do this? I don't want to do this. And God took me to that verse, and he said, what you make happen for others, I'll make happen for you. You don't worry about them. You worry about what I'm having you do. And, and you know what? It just became a part of who we are. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, it just gave us ammunition for later in life. Get in God's word. Amen? Hold your Bible up real high. We're going to make a confession together. Lift it up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. Say, I choose to do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, say, I'll never be the same. Look at somebody say, never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God one more big hand tonight. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you're wondering what's all the clapping about, we're just happy. Amen. People often say hi, and I say, no, just happy. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> that funny right there. That's a good one, huh? Okay, here's some Mother's Day stuff. Because you know me, I've developed this whole sermon around Mother's Day. So the first two minutes of it. Um, Franklin D. Roosevelt made this statement. He said, we may not be able to prepare the future for our children, but we can at least prepare our children for the future. That's a great quote. Yeah, what are you doing to get your kids ready for where they're headed? The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. In the Amplified Bible, it talks about his particular bent. You know, take a child, and uh, uh, that means you're going to have to have some relationship, and you're going to have to uh, uh, talk to God and find out where he's taking them. You know, a lot of times I think we encourage our kids, and we feel like it's really great encouragement. You can do anything you want. You, you just set your mind to it. You can do anything you want. Why don't you teach your child you can do exactly what God created you for? Because a lot of times everything I want ain't got nothing to do with what God created me for. And, 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 and you know, I, you know, it's kind of, kind of, it's kind of a rough deal a little bit, you know, having Mother's Day weekend this week. And I, I got to think about my mom and, you know, my mother was not a person for me to lean on. She was the one who taught me that leaning was not necessary. I thank God for that. Just, you know, just lean on me. How about you just teach your kids to stand on their own two feet? How to walk, amen? And, and, and one more quote. This one's from my mother. Uh, she was quoted saying this, insanity is hereditary. You get it from your children. And so with that, <laughs> I think she was speaking to my sister and brother, but I don't know. Uh, moms are happy today. Shelby has all of her boys home, and TJ... You know, you're dealing with the pressure really well. You know, you've seen Evan. He's now an actor. You, 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 have, uh, uh, you have Stephen rocking his tight pants. You have some, you know, big shoes to fill. But we are glad. We're, we're glad that you're in the house, buddy. Amen. Look forward to next week's video. Okay. Now I got to jump into this message real quick because God's got a word for you. A, a gal, one of the mothers of the house stopped me during the five-minute break, and God had given her a word, and he said, you know, uh, uh, basically it's this, and she can correct me later if I'm too far off, but he, he just wanted to speak to the house and say that you need to open up your heart and your mind because he's ready to empower you with gifts that will set you up for your future. 
Amen. And, and, and he's at the door and he's knocking. And tonight, I just, I, I just want you to know that, that that's scriptural. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door knocking. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. In other words, God is right there. You're at the threshold of God's participation in your situation. You are at the threshold. All, ha- all you have to do is open the door. Well, how do I open the door? Well, you, you, you do what he said. If any man hear my voice and open the door, how do you open the door? You respond to his voice. That when God begins to give instruction, you're not looking for information. You're looking for transformation. And the transformation begins to change the way you think, the way you feel, the way you make your choices. That's what James meant when he said, receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which has the power to save your soul. Your soul is the way you think, the way you feel, the way you make your choices. I don't know about you, but it just doesn't bother me anymore. It used to, used to really irritate me. I used to hate to admit that I, that I would think wrong. You know, I, I, I've just always been under the impression that everything I thought was absolutely genius. You know what I'm saying? And, and that I felt right about everything, and if anybody felt differently, they were wrong. It wasn't me. And I, it, you know, and, and how many of you are, and you don't have to respond, of course, but how many of you are still at a place in your life that when you perform an action that's wrong, you would rather not admit it? Don't look at me with that tone of voice. Most of us are that way. We want to blame it on somebody else or some other thing. That, you know, well, it was out of my control. It's not my fault. How many know, though, that that's not God life? He said, receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. Get open and receive God's instruction, and it'll change the way you think. Why is that so important? Well, because God's word in our life changes our end result. You know, a lot of people, you know, they lock on to a word. They get a promise from God, and they're expecting it to produce, you know, uh, uh, Isaiah thirty two eighteen. All my pe- or my people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, and, and a quiet resting place. They 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 post it on the refrigerator, and, and they're waiting for God to produce that end result. Well, the reality is, though, until you apply His word, you you don't get to see the production of His promise. See, because if you're still living like the devil, you're still going to have chaos in your house. Hello, I don't care how many plaques you got. You can get bumper stickers and T-shirts, too. It ain't going to change much. Uh, you know. And by the way, with those Jesus stickers on the back of your car, you ought to get him in your heart before you put him on a bumper. Okay? Because when, when, when you're running people off the road and flipping them off, I hope it says, follow me to First Baptist and not here. But uh, you, you know what I'm saying. You just got to be a little bit careful here. It would be really good if we would get something changing on the inside. And his word will change the way you think. And see, words determine your thoughts. And thoughts, uh, all of a sudden, they become your emotion. The way you think about a thing determines the way you feel about that thing. Your feelings start changing, and that changes the choices you make. Because every choice you make is birthed out of an emotion. That's why it's not really good to make life-changing decisions in an emotional situation. You need to calm down first. Because you'll end up making the wrong choice. But, you, you know, your, your emotions make your choices. Your choices determine your actions. Your actions determine your habits. Your habits determine your character. And your character determines your end result. So if you can get God's word and begin to allow it to change the way you think, you, you, if you can have God's word, you can have God's thoughts. You know, he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And it's not a put down, it's an invitation up. God's inviting us to a different level of thinking. And he's saying, you know, what I want you to do is come up here and think like I do, and that'll change the way you feel about some stuff. And, and, and if you can have God's thoughts, you can have God's godly emotion. If you get godly emotion, you'll start making godly choices. If you make godly choices, you're going to perform godly actions. If you perform godly actions, you're going to develop godly 
habits. If you have godly habits, you're going to develop a godly character. If you've got godly character, you're going to have the end that he declared over you at the beginning. And you can hit the end that God's called you to, but you've got to have God's word guiding you, and you've got to be surrendered to it. It's not enough to carry the biggest, fattest King James Bible you can find. It does you no good if you're not going to apply it and allow it to change the way you're living your life. Look at somebody saying, you need this terribly bad. Tell them. <laughs> you know, there are characteristics that, that need to be developed in order for us to be the people that God's called us to be. And, and, and you know, over the past several weeks, we've been looking at some things about David and, and, and his life. And, and tonight, we're just going to pick up and continue there. I, I want 1 Samuel 13, and I actually gave him scriptures this week. I walked around with him on my forehead earlier and thought we were going to see if he could be spiritual and get him. He got physical and took him. Okay, it came to pass. Everybody say, it came to pass. You know, a lot of times you focus on the stuff that shows up, and you got to remember, it came to pass. That's just all it came to do. It just came to pass. So some of the stuff you don't like, just hang on long, long enough, it'll be gone. Because that's why it came. It just came to pass. So let it go. And as soon as he had made an end of offering, a burnt offering, and, and, and we're talking about Saul here, who Saul was in his position of authority. He was the ruler. He was the guy. You know, apply it to your life this way, that you are the ruler of, uh, of your domain, and, and he had it going on, but he started breaking rules, and he, he, he got in a hurry, and, and he, he was told to wait, and he couldn't wait. Ever been there? And as soon as he made an end of uh, offering, the burnt offering, which was not his role, the guy he had been waiting on showed up. Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And that's what people normally do with authority when the authority shows up and they get caught red-handed doing what they had not to do. They say, hey, how you doing? And that's what he did. And Samuel said, what have you done? And listen to what he said. Because I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you didn't come within the amount of time that I expected, and the Philistines, the enemies, have gathered themselves together against us. Therefore, I said, the Philistines are going to come down upon us at Gilgal. I have not made supplication unto the Lord. So I forced myself. It wasn't my fault. I had to do it. I forced myself and did what I wasn't supposed to do. Verse 13 says, and Samuel said to Saul, you're a fool. I'm just going to let that hang out there because it belongs to some of us. Um, you have done foolishly. You uh, did not keep the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established your kingdom forever. You really screwed up. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. For the Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be captain over his people because you have not kept that which the Lord commanded you. Tonight, I just, I, I just want to talk about uh, one more characteristic that we need to get. And, 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 uh, and I want to remind you that small acts result in large, sustainable reactions. I mean, they just produce them. 
And sometimes we, 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 we are, you know, we think we're, we're too big to do the little stuff. And uh, have you heard, it was all over Facebook for a while, if you're into that stuff. Uh, did you hear about the 17-year-old boy that, that, that worked at Dairy Queen? And um, a, a person came to his counter, and, and the, the individual that came to the counter, he, he was blind. And when he pulled his wallet out to pay, a, a $20 bill fell out of his pocket onto the floor behind him. And a lady behind him in line bent over and picked it up. And the, and the, and the guy, the, the kid's waiting for her to give it back, and she, she never does. And he's watching her. He makes eye contact with her, and she just kind of smiles. And he's waiting. He's waiting. And she, she I mean, this is a true story. She's waiting, and, and finally he just says to her, give that back. And she says, give what back? And the blind guy's just standing there trying to, you know, use his debit card to pay his bill. And he, he gets him out of the way, you know, and finishes, and then she's up, to, and, and they have quite a little conversation about that $20 bill. And, and she tells him that it's none of his business, and she just turns and leaves. So that, that young 17-year-old boy goes to his stuff, his own personal stuff in the back, and pulls out a $20 bill, and he takes it to the blind man who's seated at a table, and he walks up and he says, here, you dropped this. And I, I wanted to get it back to you. Oh, well, thank you. Just a small act. Everybody that worked there and, and a lot of the customers that day saw that, and, and, they, and it started, they started talking about it. I mean, it, it became, it went viral. Okay? You know, uh, they put it on Facebook, and it blew up, and, and, and everybody's talking about it and all kinds of comments. Well, well all kinds of people saw it and, and, and heard about it. So his managers heard about it. They brought him in and, and, uh, uh, and, and just, you know, hey, you get ice cream for life kind of thing, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, you, you never have to mop the floor again or something like that, you know, and, and, uh, and gave him a little reward. But it, it, as it continued on, now, now the story continues and, and kind of behind the scenes, the, the guy that owns the company that owns Dairy Queen, his name's Warren Buffett, uh, he heard about it. And so he sent for that boy to come to the annual meeting for that company. And when he got there, he took him into a private meeting and sat down with him, and, and uh, he allowed him to bring a, a family member, and they sat in the room and talked, and he told him how grateful he was to be represented by somebody with that type of character asked him about his future and what his plans were, and then he basically informed him that he can, you know, for the rest of his life, any education he wants at any location he chooses will be paid for for the rest of his life. This is just a small act. You know, and I know some of you guys are sitting there, and you're so self-minded, you're thinking, why doesn't anything good ever happen to me? It's because you think wrong. Yeah, you know, I'm just telling you, you know, I'm going to be pastoral tonight. It's Mother's Day, and you can go out and have a Sunday later. It, it, it's, uh, it's because we think wrong, and we forget that small, selfless acts are the breeding ground for incredible results. See, we all are looking for huge results in our life, but God works in and through the little things to make big things happen. Hello? God will take your little thing, and he'll add his power to it, the anointing. Remember, you are anointed. Look at somebody tell him, you are anointed. And it, it'll, it'll, it will blow up on you, okay? Now, 1 Samuel 17, 17, Jesse said to his son David, these guys are, are, are out there now, and, and, and 
you know, they're, they're out at war, and, uh, and Jesse calls his son David in, who David's been anointed king, and now he's back out with his sheep. And David calls him in, and he says, take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of the unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance for them. from them. Uh, there was Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. And early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. And he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions shouting the war cry. Now remember, he's been anointed. Remember, you've been anointed. And no prophet swinging by your house. Jesus asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit and that he would come and be your helper, that he has brought you the anointing. And you got to remember, just remember some stuff tonight, that even though you may not feel visible, that doesn't mean you're not valuable. Okay, David's off back out there with the sheep, but that's not what the issue is. The issue is he's just taking care of small things. That fresh anointing doesn't always mean a new assignment. I think a lot of us miss it because we think if we have a hyped-up church service that we're going to walk out and God's automatically supposed to give us a job promotion or a bigger house or a newer car or a younger wife or something. And the reality is, is that a new anointing does not mean a new assignment. Right? Well, I just feel overlooked and forgotten. You're not forgotten. You're being saved for something special. And David, through diligence and excellence, remember, he, he wasn't chose by, uh, by Saul to play the harp because he, because he had a really good heart. He really loved God. No, he was chosen to play because he was really good at playing. And so through diligence and excellence, he had developed the gifts that God had given him. And he allowed God to use his uniqueness any way God wanted to. He, he surrendered that role to God, and God started aligning his life with God's will. Hello? Isn't that what you want? Come on, isn't that what we want tonight, that God would take our lives and begin to align our life with his will? You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, have you heard that one before? I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. I'm telling you that the plan that God has for your life is better than any plan you could ever come up with. Okay, the, the best life possible is God's life that he's designed and made ready for you. Read Ephesians 2, 10, you know, that we are uh, God's own handiwork that he has created us and, and born anew in Christ, that we might do the good works that he created us ahead of time to do, that we would take paths that he prepared ahead of time, that we would live the good life that he prearranged and made ready for us to live. The life that God has for you is a good life. The enemy wants you to think that if you start serving God, that you're going to be, you know, kind of a, a weird or something, like, like, like the dude on the video. That's what a Christian guy looks like. He's running through the grass with a pony. You know, I'm happy to tell you tonight that uh, I get to hang with some men of God who are men of God. And just, you know, for just for, you know, just 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 so that nobody's little feelings get hurt. You know, Sean's one of them. He just acted like one of them other dudes. But the, the, the life God has for you is an awesome life. You know, God, God ain't trying to make you some kind of weak, you know, uh, weird individual. 
He's trying to make you strong and powerful and effective. And the very best life you could ever possibly connect with is the life that God's created for you. Which means that we're going to have to be kind of like David. We're going to have to realize, okay, man, I am anointed. God had a dream about the future. He saw where I fit. He shaped me and molded me, and he made me different from everybody else. But he has empowered me to fulfill his dream, and I just need to embrace that, accept that, live it out loud, and go for that life. Hello, somebody. Well, how, you know, what, what is it that's on this guy that, that would uh, empower him to press through all of the mind storms and all of that stuff and get to, to that final outcome? And, and, and I, and I want to tell you that just, just one word, he was spirited. He had, he had some spirit. He was not some limp, wet, wash rag thrown in the corner. He had, okay, well, let's put it this way, a word maybe you can wrap your mind around a little easier. He had some passion. Okay, he had passion, and, and, and he had a willing spirit. He was, he, he, he was willing to let God do whatever God wanted to do. He was just willing. A willing spirit. Remember God seeking those who will worship him or serve him in spirit and in truth. So, so he had passion. He was spirited. And I just want to real quick just run through a couple of things. I hope you're taking notes. If you're not, I hope God keeps you awake all night repeating this to you. <laughs> no, I actually am hoping that. You think it's indigestion. No, it's your refusal to take notes. Okay. Well, you know, because people who don't take notes, they're making a statement. They just don't want to remember. So, um, I just hope that God just keeps you awake. People of passion, let's just write this down. People of passion see differently. They see differently. They're able to see a small assignment as a door uh, to a greater opportunity. They see small assignments as the doorway to greater opportunities. They carry out small assignments with a willing heart. I mean, think about it. He was out there working, and he's called in to be called out in front of his brothers and his family, and then he's anointed as the new king, and then he's sent right back out to the field to continue his work amongst the sheep. Now he gets another call, and he's probably, you know, what, what are you thinking? You know, you see him coming for you, and you got to be thinking, oh, this is it, this is it, this is it. And he finds out, what do they want me to do? They want you to drive the Domino's truck and take some bread and cheese to your brother. You're a sandwich delivery guy. You're a Jimmy John. Wait a minute. I was just anointed king. Now I'm running delivery. No, he has a willing heart. He's not wasting his time out there. He's not sitting out there feeling sorry for himself and sulking. He, no, through diligence, he is increasing his levels of skill, both with, with the, the, you know, the instruments that he's got and, and the instruments of war that he possesses. You know, I, I think people of passion, they see obedience as a strength rather than a sign of weakness. And I think some of you guys think that obeying God would, is more of a sign of weakness. You ought to try it for 30 days. I, I think, I think being, being a follower of Christ is for weak people. You couldn't last 15 minutes. Let's reach over and touch somebody. Say, it's okay. Why is he yelling at us? I don't know. 
just feels good. Obedience is a sign of strength. Don't you wish your kids would learn that? I mean, do you, do you know how much time is wasted as we try to explain why we want our children to do what we've asked them to do? They're under the impression that they don't have time. It's because they're going to waste it arguing. <laughs> We'd be done already if you just had done it. Hello? I wonder if God ever thinks that way towards you. Just a thought. <laughs> you know what? They, they, just, they just see things differently. Obedience is a strength that I can develop. I can obey more. I can obey quicker. I can obey more often. And they guard their strengths. Not going to lose my strength or abuse my strength. I'm going to guard my strength. Why? Because an unguarded strength is actually a double threat. Listen to this. Much later in his life, after Goliath, David wrote this psalm, Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This is way later. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. The CEV version says, make me as happy as you did when you saved me and make me want to obey. Why? Well, because, you know, you know this passion that, that sets him apart also can set him up. The, think about it. The, the passion that can set you apart. If, if you just become passionate, if you just like, instead of living life with, with a little L, if you just live life, I'm talking about God life. The same passion that can, that, that, that can just set you apart can also set you up. Because it was the same spirit that when David saw Goliath, he, he said, let's get it on. It's that same spirit that when David saw Bathsheba, he said, let's get it on. And you got you to gotta understand that the same strength that can open the door for your next victory can also open the door for your next failure. And some of you use your strength for failure instead of for victory. Because you use your strength, your, your strong will, your, your tenacity to do what you want instead of using it for what he wants. Isn't it interesting that when, when the prophet's talking to Saul, he said, you know what, you could have ruled and reigned for a long time, but now thy kingdom is done. Well, there's the clue. Saul was ruling his kingdom. But David would rule his kingdom. Well, this is my life. We can tell. <laughs> I remember one time, a long time ago, long, I probably shouldn't talk about it because I'm almost out of time, but a long time ago uh, when, when we, we were ministering to youth a lot back in the day, and, and uh, uh, it was when, uh, uh, you know, they, were, they did a lot of backmasking stuff on music, and, you know, they were talking about what, what you could hear in the music backwards, which was really odd to me. I, I got to tell you something. When I, when I really surrendered my life to God, there were a couple of things I did not want to do. He made me do them all. One of them, I can remember, I did not want to work with youth because I didn't like youth. I didn't have anything in common with youth because I wasn't raised normal. 
You know, I just wasn't, I wasn't around that culture. I thought people walking around with purple hair and a 19-inch color TV set hanging off their earlobe, there's something wrong with those guys. And, uh, and here they came, and we had hundreds of them. And, and, and it was just nuts. But during that whole season, I, I could care less about backmasking. Have you listened to the garbage forward? You know, but there was this big old argument amongst these kids about the music they were listening to. And one of them just looked at me and they said, this music has not affected my life. And I went, okie dokie. <laughs> it was probably the Cheerios. I don't know. <laughs> this is my life. Yeah, well, you're living the wrong one. Hello? You know, that passion that you use to do what you want, what would happen if for 30, 60 days you'd used it for what God wanted? We'd turn the stinking cities upside down. You know those people that you think will never serve God? You'd probably win them to Jesus in 15 days. they see such a radical transformation in your life. I know you're wishing there were other people here to hear this message, but nope, it's you. Look at, look at your friend and say, nope, it's you. <laughs> it's all for you. You know, your strengths can be a real problem if not directed the right way. Yeah, you know, I, I have to watch my I have to guard my life. I mean, you, you, and you know that. I think I even mentioned it this week sometime. I can't remember. Don't honk at me. You know, because you might catch me off guard. You know, people, people have done it, honked at me right out in front of the church. I got out of the car and not, what do you want? You know, and before I even realized, I know that there's, you know, oh, I can't believe the pastor has a temper. Dude, I'm passionate about everything. And, and, and the reality is, is that that same passion that can be used for great things can open the door to great victories. And so, you know, hey, if nothing else, as you develop this passion, this is a gift that God, God wants to fire you up about who you are. Who he's created you to be. Don't be so weak and timid. God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity. But power, love, and a sound, disciplined mind. God, God, you know, God wants you to be strong. Finally, brethren, be strong. It's in the Bible. From the days of John the Baptist, even until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. The violent take it by force. If you're going to get what God has for you, you're going to have to be willing to fight for it. You've got to have a backbone to face the storm. I don't have all night to preach it. you just got to live it. You've got to get some strength. Why? Because God doesn't place the, you know, the grapes of blessing in your mouth. He places them within your reach. And he wants you to go get it. Hello, somebody. we got one one. One more short passage. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 23. As he was talking with him, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, he stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. And when the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. I just want to say this real quick. People of passion even hear differently. Look at what it says. Goliath was shouting his usual defiance. This has been going on for 40 days. And David heard it. The other guy's been listening to it. David heard it. And, 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 you know, I think that people without passion, when your passion, when, when you've allowed your passion to wane, what you hear as intimidation, if your passion was alive, you'd hear as an invitation. 
Let me say that again. You, you, you hear intimidation, but when your passion's pumping, it's an invitation. And it pulls you to do something you would have never done had the enemy just shut his piehole. You, you would have never stepped up and demonstrated his defeat if he hadn't raised his stupid little head. Why? Because, you know, what he tried to do was use intimidation, but you heard it as an invitation to kick some devil booty. Hello, somebody. And think about it. When you hear differently, you're going to think differently. When you feel differently, think differently, you're going to feel, and you're going to get to a different end result. Hello. Everybody else running in fear, he refused to let emotion move him. I've had people, you know, question, you know, are, are you okay? You're talking about my mama. Are you okay? Yeah. Sure you're doing okay? Yeah. Well, you, your mama died. Really? What's your point? Well, our heart really goes out to you. It's, it's part of life. My mother, bless her heart, is in a celebratory state. She's doing great. And the reality is, is that you can be sad without sorrow. You don't have to let emotions dictate your life. I mean, where'd you learn that? My mother. Well, that's kind of weird. No, what's kind of weird is that people who are believers don't live like believers. What do you believe? If you believe the truth about heaven, the last thing you'd want to do is sit around feeling sorry for yourself. That's all self-centered anyways. Ain't going to change nothing if we sit around and feel bad and, and, you know, and, and let sorrow and grief overwhelm us. I know people who have been grieving for 25 years. Why don't you believe God? Man, I wish I had more time. I can tell I'm on it now. The reality is, is that that's, where, that's what separated David from all these other guys. They heard Goliath, and, and they all turn in fear. But he stood there, and he said, you know, uh, wait a minute. I'm not going to be overwhelmed by his single strength and overlook his several great, great weaknesses. See, I think a lot of us, we see the enemy, and we see the enemy's strength, but we forget to recognize, oh, that's one strength. But he's got a lot of other weaknesses. Here's a big dude. Loaded down, I mean, just, the, just the, the, that, that breastplate thing that he was wearing, they say weighed over 100, 120 pounds. And he's not in great shape because he's got a dude in, out in front of him holding his shield. That wasn't normal. I mean, study, study the biblical times, and you're going to find out that, that, that what, what they had out there was a guy who was, who was pretty good at hand-to-hand combat. But there's three levels of fighters in, in this era, and this is not some unusual scene. They, they, you know, they, they came, and why are they hollering at each other? Because they're on, they're on the top of a, of a steep cliff with, with, that goes down steep into a valley on both sides. And if you go down, as you come up, you, you're a sitting duck. The enemy's going to pick you off one by one as you come up. So they're out there trying to scream at each other, figure out how are we going to face off with each other and not lose as many people. Even the Philistines were smart enough to know we can't just go climbing over there. So what's the best way to eliminate in 
incredible, unmeasurable loss of life. Let's just send one warrior down and make him a good one. And so they pick Goliath, who comes down there, and he's, he, he's, he's, he's a marvel at hand-to-hand combat. But wait a minute. There were guys in, in, in the armies that were hurlers too. So this Goliath, he's kind of like the, what would that be, like the infantry? He's the guy in the army that they strap to the missile when they launch it, okay? Uh, but they had guys that, that, were, that were gifted in hurling stones. And, and they, were, they were actually just a little, they were, uh, you know, a little bit higher ranked than the dude that was going to do hand-to-hand. And then they had guys that shot arrows. They're like snipers. You know, and, and, and David stood there. Everybody's freaking out because they're looking at an enemy who's calling them out. But you don't have to fight the enemy on his term. Here's why I always get your rear end handed to you. It's because you're fighting the enemy on his term. Well, you, you're higher ranked than that. So you, you, can take a, you can take a stone in your sling. What is the word of God? It's the rock. You want to talk about the five smooth stones? Well, they represent the five wounds of Christ. I've heard so many great messages on the five stu- smooth stones, haven't you? I mean, there's some great ones. The five-fold ministry. Let me tell you tonight why David picked five stones. In case he missed. <laughs> David looked at this guy. Remember what he said to him, and we're, 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 we're done. But, well, I'm not, I'm not finished. <laughs> I'm pretty much done. Remember when, Goliath, remember when Goliath said to him, come to me. That's a clue. Come to you. I don't have to come to you. If I come to you, we're going to fight on your term. He said, what am I, a dog that you come to me with sticks? He had one stick. Goliath can't even see. This is going to be easy. You know what you need to do tonight? You need to recognize that you've been trying to fight an enemy at his term, at his level. And, and you, you, just need to have a, you, you just need to have an encounter with God. You know, maybe, maybe you've been like all the other Philistines that when the enemy shows up, you run in fear. Or maybe you've been like Saul, who's been trying to rule his own kingdom. Why don't we be like David, who says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to live for God. And I'm going to use the strength that he's given me to demonstrate the enemy's defeat. I'm prepared. I'm equipped. I I have what it takes to, uh, I can live like a giant killer. I don't have to live like a giant sissy. I can face off against the enemy, and I don't care how good he is, I can whip him because I get to use the Word of God. I have a covenant with God. And I can't, I can't, I'm telling you, I can't be defeated. What the enemy intends for evil, God reaches in, turns it, uses it for good. Why not let him take the stuff of your life that's been horrible, but let him orchestrate your entire life so that what was awful is now a setup for something great. Guard your strength. Realize that, hey, any of us can fall. Any of us can make mistakes. Any of us can, 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 can be, you know, trapped. But the reality is, is that we, we have the opportunity also to get back up again. We have resurrection life. Amen? You, you're, you're not going to live a defeated life and hang around with us. You are not going to live a defeated life and hang around with us. 
So get ready for victory. Look at somebody tell them, it's time for you to get ready. You're going you're gonna to live with victory. Amen? Come on, I just want you to give God another hand tonight. Give him a praise and thank him for what he's doing in your life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You have an insane advantage over the enemy. Step into that position. Step into that position and, and just refuse to deal with the defeated devil, especially at his level. The life God's prearranged and made ready for you to live, it's, it's a life more like David's. You've been anointed of God to live a victorious life. I want you to close your book and bow your head for just a minute and